0: Extraordinary Unplugged, a podcast for people looking to create bigger, braver, more meaningful lives, people who are prepared to do what it takes to make it happen.
1: What was lacking in my life wasn't success, but was the search for success and never really appreciating that I already was achieving in lots of ways.
0: My guest this week is Tom, a teacher who had a life-changing realisation about the path he was on. A realisation which led him to finally find the right role for him. Still within teaching, but one that reflected his own personal values and his passions. Tom's journey is a lesson for all of us. As always, Tom, I'm going to start with, who's Tom?
1: Yeah, probably the most difficult question of the whole, the whole podcast, hey. Um, I always find it really, really hard to answer this question and not just say what I do, but I guess that's a good place to start. I'm a... Uh, uh, a teacher of economics. Um, I have been for 12 years. Um, but more than that, I think I'd probably define myself by by my character. Um, I'm an enthusiastic and a big believer in the goodness of life. Um, I like to do everything with 100% uh, effort and to see the good in everything. So um, in a desire not to be defined by just what I do, um, I try and look at who I am.
0: I love that. And do you know what, just looking at you now, you have so much energy and positive energy. And I know that you're going to tell us a slightly different story yeah. as we as we go through our conversation. But it's incredible to see the energy you're bringing to this now.
1: I think that that's how other people would define me as being someone with lots of positivity and lots of energy. And I've certainly accepted and come to define myself as that as well. But you know, I've talked to you a lot over the Ivy House program about... Feeling at times as if I was two people, and certainly the outward persona is definitely authentic, but there's an there's an there's another element of my character which is certainly one which is more anxious, uh, not always positive, and can be worrisome. So um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about about that as we go on. I know, but um, it's probably good to be upfront and honest about about that at this stage as well.
0: One of the things that um, people in general, but specifically young people, face a lot is. Not really knowing who they are, what kind of life they should be following, but at the same time, experiencing a massive pressure to perform academically, to look a certain way, to behave a certain way, to tick all those boxes. And I know that you had um, a very real experience of, of not knowing who you were and, and trying to tick a load of boxes and that not ending so well for you, um, and then taking you on a a journey that has ended up in a much more positive place. So the reason I asked you to come is because I'd love you to share that journey I guess with us.
1: Yeah, like I think all of our journeys are unique and um there's a commonality to it, but there is a commonality to those journeys as well. And I think I certainly can speak to my own experience directly, but being in the I've been a really in a fortunate position as a teacher to also experience secondhand the the types of experience that young people have generally. I I, work, I have worked at um, some pretty like, um, intense, uh, private institutions, secondary institutions, which achieve amazing results, but possibly at the, um, the cost sometimes of, of the well of, of individual students. So I so I've yeah, I, I feel like my, my experience probably does speak to a broader experience of lots of people, a uh, lot of young people today. Um, so I think, it, I think it's given me purpose to discover that, uh, that I can make a difference to that. Um. But at the same time, yeah, I think it's useful that, that it's talked openly about the lots of people with quite normal experiences. There's no major there's no major challenges in my life that I would identify as being traumas. Um, and yet I've still not found it easy. Um, and I think that's that's common to a lot of young people today.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And isn't it interesting how we almost feel bad because nothing really, really bad happened to us, but actually... We're still experiencing life in a really tough way at times.
1: Sure, I, I think that is that guilt is is present with me. I'm, I'm aware of it as I say it now. I was talking about this podcast with a friend, and uh, you know, the first question that I said when I explained roughly what I was going to talk about was just, you know, how is that coming across? And you know, we'll talk about other people's views of me being a big important factor in my well-being, certainly in self-esteem as a young person. But just being aware, you know, as someone who, I think I've been incredibly fortunate, loving parents, really amazing, fortunate start to life, um, only child. I'm not sure if you can pick that up, but, uh, and yet, yeah, things weren't straightforward. Um, they, it was really tough. And um, that comes with a whole load of guilt. I think sometimes it, if, if I had a big trauma to point to, um, I'm not sure that would make it any easier, but it would make it easier for me to understand. It's been a really long journey. I'm 34 now, i a lot older than quite a lot of people you've had on the podcast. And yet it's taken me, 12 years probably to re- of thinking about it to really work out the the grain of of the kernel of the problem that that has caused quite a lot of problems in my life to be honest
0: so let's let's start with when you were at school what what went on for you and and feel free to bring in examples of what you're seeing with your pupils now because i'm pretty sure there's a lot of parallel processes yeah. going on there
1: i started as being someone who's not massively confident at school and not really having an area that I shone in, especially academically. So um, I was at quite an academic school where success was pretty much defined quite narrowly as being good, as, good at school, good at subjects. And I was very much bottom bottom third in, in all subjects. And, and I mean, even me saying that is quite amazing, but I was super aware of it. We used to rank um, the students and they were made public at the end of every term. And I remember getting the, getting the box and whiskers diagram and how i didn't even i mean this is how bad my math was i had no idea what that was but i kind of got the gist that when the cross was below the box at the bottom end of the box that that wasn't good and i was always below the box um so that that's kind of how i just i grew up with defining myself by my personality becoming that guy that talked a lot and was friends with everyone um and made jokes uh but but really really inside finding it really tricky to fit in Because in the environment that I was in, I just, I wasn't succeeding in the way that they saw it, that they defined it. So um, it was really tricky. Um, And then one time, this one teacher just sort of reached out to me and said, the rules of this game are you'll do well at school and that'll give you some confidence. So, and all you need to do is revise, just work hard. And he just said, try four hours a day and just work like a trooper and that'll fix it all, basically. Um, And I did, and that was in the run-up to GCSEs. And I somehow managed to, like, I somehow managed to pull out a good set of grades. And that was the first time I ever had a positive experience academically at school. So that's when I'm 16 years old, really. Um, and in a way, it was great. But in a, in a way, it created the the genesis of the problems that were to come. Like I started to base my self-esteem from external validation. And I went from being an unknown kid at the school, really, to being kind of respected by teachers, having the respect of my peers to some extent. Um, and it was on the back of success, like exter- like the the judgment of other people um so it was great while I rode that wave, but all I learned was work hard, and I just times that by whatever situation I came up against, so a levels was another another chance just to do exactly the same, so I just had this recipe for success, which was work, 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 work harder than everyone else, and achieve, and that's that's what school teaches you, so is you know that's that teachers love it when you're that guy. Um, so no one's there really stepping out and telling you to watch out.
0: So what you've described, Tom, is so common. And I can't tell you how many people out in business I talk to all the time that assess their self-worth by how well they perform. And they've translated performing from exams to getting the the accolades of their boss or promotions or earning more money. And, and then they come to us and they're like, why do I feel so empty? <laughs> you know, and, and why am I so exhausted? Because it's, it's always jump higher, isn't it?
1: Well, it's really interesting you say that. I, ha- I had like a a really fortunate experience really when I was at university and I was still still living in the same space. So I was still working really hard towards academic goals. I was running at the time and trying to, trying to be as successful as I could at that. And I had really, really, really high aims. Um, I didn't necessarily meet them myself, but I had the really fortunate experience. I was at Loughborough university and it was an amazing place surrounded by people who really were achieving at the top end of their, of their professions specifically in running. And I, I saw close up people that had amazing success. And my wife, Abby, who was my partner at the time had this amazing season where she went from being, well, not able to race basically at the British university championships, which is like the bottom rung of, of sort of national athletic standards. Um to winning the European championship in, in her age group and uh going to the world championship sort of last minute on the team and making it to the semi-finals and this is when she's 19 um she's probably in the top 15 people in the world in her in her sport and in her profession uh and seeing someone have that much success in such a short period of time and achieving all of the things to be honest way over achieving all the things that I could have achieved and knowing her well and seeing how hollow it is i, I mean i'm not saying that that speaks to everyone's experience but 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 it certainly was quite common in athletics when I, when I saw those people succeed was the bar just goes up. So we we came, we came back after that she came back from Japan on the plane and was actually really disappointed at making only the semifinal and was actually being criticized by people in the sport for the way she raced. And it was from this position where you were thinking, wow, I mean, winning a national title that year would have been an unbelievably stretched target for you. And within the space of two months, less, people's perspective, including our own, had just completely changed. And immediately after that, people were asking asking her, what's next? Not well done. And it was just, it was a really interesting place to be for me. And that was one of the things that helped me see that maybe what was lacking in my life wasn't success, but was the search for success and never really appreciating that I already was achieving in lots of ways.
0: This is a good time to pause and ask yourself what success means to you. Now it's interesting because when I ask that question, most people will say something along the lines of, it's a great job, it's a happy family, it's a healthy mind and body. Which makes the more interesting question, what measures of success are you currently putting your energy behind? And the reason this question matters so much is many of us say we want one thing, but we put our energy and our time and our resources behind something completely different. Usually some kind of external validation, just like Tom is talking about. We're taught to measure success by get these grades, come top of your class, be faster than somebody else, do better than someone else. So I think, doesn't it bring into question the whole, definition of success.
1: Totally. And look, we've even tried to, like, educators have tried to modernize in the last 20 years in this front, and they've tried to praise the attitude, not just the result. And I think that's a step forward. But I I have seen it with my own students that the real problem there is you don't know what you're praising. So, you know, I mean, if you praise my hard work and effort, 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 you are effectively praising my perfectionism that was coming from a really bad place. And so what we're doing there is reinforcing some of the it's a really dangerous territory just to step in when you don't know exactly what's motivating someone and praise even their effort, never mind their results. And unfortunately, we haven't even got to a society where parents and teachers know that, that they've got to be really careful when doing that. And, and stating things like X is such a lovely person or is such an intelligent person or gets things really quickly can be so damaging. And when you see, I know people are well-intentioned, but it, 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 even if it doesn't lead to a breakdown is the classic sense of the term, misdirecting someone's life is, is a tragedy. Like, I really genuinely believe that seeing seeing people, students of mine, go off and do things and then come back 10 years later and reflect
0: that that was just a waste. So th- this is the crux, actually, of where we, where we started, which is this whole idea of following a path because... And and I'd I'd love to, you to share your experience really of following a path because it it looked like a really good path and you were performing academically it was ticking lots of boxes so what happened to you because it it got a bit dark for you at that stage didn't it
1: yeah like I, I so I, I managed to get through university doing those having those techniques and using those those behaviours really to do well in terms of how I was meant to be achieving so achieve, getting good grades. But I, I finished university and I guess that was the first time in my life where there wasn't someone else, there wasn't an obvious set of targets. You know, I think at GCSEs, it's just get the grades, A-levels get the grades, university get the grades. Um, and I I was not really thinking about the next step. I didn't really know what came after that. And suddenly after finishing, I did in the master's degree and and I think probably just to prolong <laughs> to prolong that decision making, you know, just because I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I knew I could do academic stuff well. So, yeah, at the end of my master's degree, I, I didn't have a clear path. I didn't know what the right thing was. I'd had these challenging experiences where I reflected on my life at university and whether I was living, it, living the best life, and really, I couldn't honestly say that I was. I wasn't happy. Um, so, yeah, I, I was depressed, and I was on medication for a short period of time. I had quite a bit of therapy, Um, and that was great at kind of taking the edges off how I was feeling, but, um, I still didn't really have a clear path and direction. So I wasn't depressed, but, but I drifted into, a work life, um, not really having a clear focus and a positive look outlook for the future, um. And so, you know, I, I ended up going into teaching because I'd had been given the experience of, of the chance to have a bit of experience doing it and loved the daily experience, the, the daily teaching. I loved the interaction with people. Um, I really loved my subject, Um, and that was great, but I was doing it, it felt like a stopgap in a way. Like I just felt like it's what I'm doing now. And I didn't see a clear path ahead. And I spent probably eight years in that space, just drifting, um, and the difficult thing is, you know, I had quite a lot of success in that, you know, if you're if you're there and you work hard and even if you're just doing things in a way that is positive and just going through the motions in a way, I you begin opportunities come up. But but I was just being blown by the wind rather than setting my own course and following a path. And so, you know, I just didn't have. I just thought that that was what life was going to be like to be honest. I I was scared to really aggressively pursue something because I had a whole series of limiting beliefs around um, the idea that hard work would lead to um, a uh, a breakdown and and make me unhappy and couldn't be sustained and then not really therefore being able to set a goal because I just believed that all goals had to be achieved by pursuing it with a perfectionist kind of 100% or nothing kind of attitude. So I was just kind of in the wilderness, just drifting for a long time.
0: Do you know what strikes me about it is you had this feeling within you that there's something wasn't right and you were drifting, but nobody along your journey had talked to you about finding your purpose, finding what puts you in your element because everybody has things that put them in the element and enable them to come alive in the work they do. But I'm I'm suspecting that that wasn't part of your journey at all.
1: No, and I think the, the difficulty is, you know, people just, you learn to accept. So I, th- I think people, people expect less of themselves. So I wasn't just sure if I, if I was just being this kind of selfish, sport child kind of syndrome, like I deserve something better, or whether this was the way life was meant to be. Because um, everyone else kind of seemed to be conforming in the same sort of way or was satisfied with what they were doing. I, was, I thought that maybe my expectations were, that, were out of line.
0: Pause for a moment and ask yourself, has that happened to you? Have you drifted into something because you were good at it, but not because you loved it? And if it has, are you ready to find out what puts you in your element? Are you ready to find that career, that hobby, that way of living that is going to bring joy and meaning to your life?
1: The one great thing and the one lifeline was, I only teach six form students. And so they're at this stage in their life where they're really having to think about what to do next and so they would come to you and ask for advice about what course to study or what 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 degree to pursue or what career to look at and seeing so many years of young people come through that process and go on and then stay in touch with them and hear what they were doing just kept that thing in the back of my mind of saying hey i'm not sure that you're living this life and you know what some young people they've got no <laughs> they'll tell you what they think and and, and at times that you know they will tell you like are you is this something that you're going to keep on doing for the rest are you living like you tell me to live my full life to the fullest and, and pursue what I'm passionate about but is that something that you're doing they will actually question you and so that was a real gift because I think without that kind of constant pricking of my uh self and conscious I might have just drifted into accepting that life and taking on promotions and I think once you're in a senior position it becomes a lot harder just to remove yourself from it um and one thing that I did to immunize myself to it was just to kind of not commit a hundred percent not to not to get too committed to any one institution or to get built into the institution by taking promotions, which which has its downsides of just probably completely underselling myself um, but but it meant that I had the freedom to get out if I needed to um, and I felt in the back of my mind that I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that this path that I was on was the right one and so couldn't commit to it a hundred percent
0: when we don't find our thing when we don't find what puts us in our element, when we don't find what is our purpose, we never really fully commit to something because we're always somehow, even if not intellectually, emotionally on the lookout for, right, well, I know this isn't it really. And you might not have that conscious thought. You might just have it emotionally like a felt experience. I know this isn't it really. So I have to be ready to jump when it arrives. So I'm interested what... I guess what the process was for you, because you're very much in a place where you have clarity now. Yeah, I feel like I've got more clarity, and without you
1: know, Elka's not told me to say this, but but I went on Ivy House last last year. When was it?
0: Pre COVID.
1: Um, to be honest, like I felt like I didn't fit in at times because I met these amazing people on this course, and like I've been listening to this podcast, and that you know, and in a lot of ways, I don't feel like I fit into the guys doing this because. I was always just blown away by people's sense of direction. I mean, okay, people had some questions about the exact nature of their future careers. I loved being there and I loved getting the, doing the workshops, but I felt like I had such a lack of clarity about my next step that in order to participate at times, I was having to fake it till I make it in terms of giving you some sense that I knew what I was going to do. And in the reality was I was in this place where any any task that, required me to talk about future planning or imagining what promotion you wanted or how you're gonna get there. I just was overwhelmed. Um, Tom, I'm I'm gonna stop
0: you for a moment because there's something we have to catch here, which is, isn't it interesting that you're put in a space where nobody requires you to know what your future is, but you feel immense pressure to have the answers to the questions. And actually what we were doing was just presenting the questions and making it very clear if you don't answer these for 10, 20 years, it doesn't matter. What you need to know is what the questions were. But inbuilt within you is this need to perform and have the answers to the questions.
1: Yeah, and it is. It definitely that. And and to be authentic as well. And and just, you know, not have I knew that these questions were important and like not having the answers. It's almost like I just felt completely unprepared. It's like it's like going out the house without wearing your shoes and just being like, "Oh, I didn't realize that everyone wore shoes." You know, like that that not everyone had these answers. Don't get me wrong; like not everyone on the course knew exactly what they were going to do, or, or may have been pretending to this different extents. But but like I really just was aware that something was massively missing when we did the wheels of kind of assess, self assessment about where we were. I was really good, like I was re- really reflective and like actually, my I feel happy in lots of ways, but the future future planning and, and, and knowing what, the, what, was a, what I wanted to be ahead of me. I just had no idea. Um, and so and, like, I'm not going to say that like, I finished the course and I just had this great moment of clarity. I, I didn't. I, what, what I did get from it was uh, it really encouraged me to really look at myself and work out what my values were in, in a way that I think we all may think that we know intuitively. But writing them down and having someone ask you about them and really push you on exactly how you would define it, like which, which adjective would you actually use? Like what is, what is it that you actually mean by that? Took a long time, but I, I really felt like the, what I came out of it was a real sense of knowledge of myself and I kind of then weirdly just got to this point of acceptance that I was like, okay, but well, if I don't know what I want to do, at least I know who I am. Um, and I, I went back into school at the start of this year Really just relaxed and accepting, I just had accepted who I am um, and that involved acceptance of being a teacher and actually just sitting down and thinking well the the characteristics of the job and what I do really do speak to a lot of my values. The institution that I was working'm working at didn't quite fit that um, and so I was prepared to look at other alternatives um with no real expectation on time frame um because I didn't, I didn't have an answer to what career step I necessarily needed to take. Um, but I was just trying to match the institution where I was working and the people working in it with the values that I'd identified in myself. Um, so that was the first step really, um, to getting to a, some idea about what I wanted to do.
0: Just so we're clear, the first step for all of us is understanding who we are, what matters to us, what we bring and what enables us to thrive. And when we know these things about ourselves, we start to get a whole load more curious, more playful, and we start the brilliant journey of finding our place in the world. The
1: next step was good fortune. I came across a group of schools um, that had a job available. Uh, It was a bit insane. It was available in Armenia. which so it was the middle of the middle of the summer in the middle of a pandemic and this job came up in Armenia and I'm the kind of person that will look at a job in Armenia and think yeah why not like why wouldn't I do that and I looked at the values of this institution and it was like reading the sheet that I'd written with Danny in my coaching session um and I I I thought this this can't be real um but you know, after a conversation with Abby, and we were we would like Abby was one month pregnant, my wife was one month pregnant at the time. We thought that maybe Armenia, in the middle of a pandemic, and with a twelve-year-old Labrador, probably wasn't the next step that that was the right thing for everyone. <laughs> so um, you know, we said, okay, well, let's wait and see what comes up within the group. There's 18 group, schools within this group. We'll look at some in Europe. That'll be like nearer Europe, close to Europe. Two two weeks later, start of term, settling back into the things here. Uh, Abby had pinged me with an email in the middle of the day saying, "Yeah, there's one come up in the school in Wales, the, the 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 original school of this group, and they need an economics teacher. What I what I do, which is pretty niche anyway. Um, so I set up a call with the head the headmaster, and uh, within two minutes of speaking to him, I w- I felt like I was. I just said to him, I just feel like this is someone from Ivy House making this up, and just just describing back to me the things that I'd written down on this piece of paper. And he said, yeah, I felt like that when I started too. So, Harriet, I'm, yeah, g- I'm going bit- to catch you again <laughs>
0: though because you first you think, you know, as if by accident. Yeah. No accident. So it's not by accident, I- yeah. yeah. Right? The fact is, is you'd grounded, you'd accepted yourself, you understood yourself, which meant when you were looking out into the world, you saw what you were pre-programmed to see because it's, it's like when you, you want, I don't know, to buy a house or to buy a, a car or, or insure your car. All of a sudden you start to notice all of the adverts for insuring your car, don't you? Yeah. you know, yeah. they, they exist all the time. They're there all the time, but you never notice them until you need it. So yeah. what you've done is you've made yourself open and available to the right opportunity.
1: I absolutely agree with that. And I think that's a massive part of it. I also think it's like there are trade-offs to everything. And the problem I faced in the past is just saying, okay, well, I can look at this job or look at this career and I can identify five things that are great. Um, but I could also look at things that were five downsides. And the problem was I didn't have a priority list. I didn't I didn't have a set of values that were gonna take a higher weighting. So I didn't have a set of characteristics that were gonna be the most important. So you, you use the analogy of the car there. Um, you know, there are loads of cars and there's whole different series of trade-offs when choosing between them. If you know that safety and enough space to fit a dog and a a buggy in. this is speaking to my own experience recently are are the three most important things and you've got a budget then there's really probably only five cars and then you're like well which one's close um or whatever your preference is so i think the thing is is that what i could go into this job search was which into which effectively it was was with a clear idea of okay there are problems with this job. I was taking a significant pay cut. There was um, moving at a time when I was going to be eight months pregnant and changing courses in the way that I work was going to be difficult in lots of ways. But they, the weighting that I was able to give to the, the values of the institution and um, the way in which they seem to work enabled me to take a calculated risk in a way that, you know, actually to come to a decision. Because everyone can look at pros and cons, but you have to actually know how you're going to take a decision. Until you know yourself, then you're just guessing and you're just hoping. And and look, there's an element of that, I guess, here, but It's more informed it's a coming from an informed position of knowing yourself so
0: what what you what you're talking about tom is what what we call your core strength is understanding who you are at your core so you're talking about understanding your value system what you also talked about was identifying the limiting beliefs that had held you back historically so you could not go down that path again so you were able to assess the situation but i'm also getting a sense of in going through this journey of knowing yourself, you've got a sense of what puts you in your element, you know, what kind of environment, what kind of work you want to do on a daily basis. So again, you are able to go, this is what's important to me. And nothing's ever going to be perfect. But if this is all that's important to me and this is met, then everything else fades into the background.
1: And I think that's the problem we have sometimes in a broader, like I see a lot with my students is this pretence that we've got an objective measurement of what is good in a career and I think that's what young people sometimes are facing a difficulty of is these jobs are good so you can list off a list of professions that are seen to be like defined as successful and I'm not saying that they're not it's just that you, they involve a series of compromises about work-life balance pay conditions location security whatever it might be that may be worthwhile if what you're getting from them is enough value and you're only gonna get that value if it's a, a, in line with what your passions are. And I think like I could probably show this job, which I'm going to do to 50 other teachers that I work with and they, it wouldn't be the right thing for them. So it's not. It's about finding the path for yourself that has that taken me a long, long time to get to. Um, and I hope that that's what I'm stepping out into. Um, But, but I do so in a way that is positive that I'll learn something as well about if it's not quite right, I'll be able to have the right tools of measurement to weigh up why it might not be and what will be the next step. Um, So yeah, it's it, but I, but I worry that as you, as you said, like, it's a big thing in secondary schools that we have this career planning and we tell children, these are the options, but encouraging young people to think about why they want to do it is a really difficult question. I'll just tell you a brief story about what really persuaded me about this school was having a conversation with the headmaster. And I I was kind of lamenting the same sort of things that we're talking about here, about the lack of guidance given to kids. And he said, yeah, you know, in lots of schools, we're, we're given a package by the parents and told to deliver that package at the university of their choice. And whatever we do, we're not meant to look into it We're not meant to open the package, we're not meant to question the wrapping, we just deliver it to the university of their choice, and that's success. What we do at this school is we open the package, we encourage the young people to look inside and to really work out what their next step is, and if they don't have a crisis of confidence in those two years that they're with us, we've failed as an institution, because we're putting people into the world that they're not prepared for, that they won't know whether they're on the right path for them. They might be academically successful or goal oriented in ch- terms of um, action, you know, social action. But they're not objectively right for people. It's It's got to come from their own self. Um, and the easy thing to do as teachers or parents, I'm not a parent yet, but but it looks super easy, is to decide how the life is going to look like for your students or children because that's what you've learned. And to, to not be humble or curious, to learn what they're preferences and um think uh, you know where their where the, where their element is because that takes patience and it might be something that isn't anywhere in line with your interests or values and you've got to be i think it's easy when you're a parent when you're a teacher because you've not got any buy-in necessarily or any personal buy-in but as a parent I guess the real challenge is accepting that accepting that that might not be in line with your own values and they might they're super deep deeply held um and so I, I guess it's not just institutions, it's us as parents as well, as adults, how, how we speak to our young people, um, it, it's, it's got to change in my view. You
0: you remind me of, um, there was a, a young man on our very early programme, he was the head boy of a very, very successful school, and um, he'd um, got four A-stars at A-level, or A's, or I think it was at the time. And got a gold medal from the queen for something and I mean literally ticked every box you could ever imagine had applied to I don't know Cambridge or Oxford to do law didn't get in and everyone was devastated head teacher parents him until he actually said to me one evening at the end of the program he goes I never really wanted to do law anyway and I'm like so what what do you want to do? And he goes, I don't know, probably history of art, but that's not really acceptable, is it? And um, interestingly, he applied elsewhere to do law, didn't get in and finally got into a great university to do history of art. Has never been happier in his whole life. Has finally come out and had the confidence to have the conversations that he needed to have with his family and pursue a life that is right for him, but only because the world intervened and actually didn't let him follow the path that everybody was pushing him down.
1: It's such a common experience of mine seeing young people who are doing all the right things in terms of what we think they should do, achieving the things that we tell them are worthwhile achieving and then not having that sense of self. And, you know, it's interesting because I think, it, it's interesting to say it came out at that time as well, I, I, because I think all sorts of other... Authentic characteristics are tied up in our, in what we do. So you know, I see it often here that when a boy really finds out what his path is, they change their hairstyle, they wear different clothes, what he they did. listen to different music. Yeah, and I, and it, and they hang around with different friends. They can be authentic, like that person that was inside and has always been there, but weren't sure if that was really who they were, and they, in a way, has been suppressed. um And I, th- I guess I, I, you know, it's not uncommon. You work with a lot of you know, people in business who are a lot older than school, school-age children. But I guess it, you'll be, you would have come across a lot of people working in things that doesn't give them a lot of satisfaction despite the fact that they're really high up in an organization. And I think that's the real tragedy is that, you know, if you think from a social perspective, if we end up with politicians that are there because they think they should be or businessmen and women running organizations because they thought it would deliver them happiness and they're not actually fulfilled individuals and they're having a huge amount of influence on everyone else's life and in in the country and you think well we really owe it to our to ourselves as a society to get make sure that we're churning out people that are skilled and interesting and kind and empathic that's super important obviously but are also kind to themselves and are actually pursuing lives that are valuable to themselves Um, because when you're motivated by fear or desire or those kind of negative emotions, you can get a lot of success, but I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that the decision making is driven by wisdom. And that I think often leads to problematic decisions being made, um, which doesn't necessarily put the good, if you're not able to put your goodness first, yourself first, then why would I expect you to ask in, act in the goodness of other people or the, the best benefit of other people? So, um, I don't really think it can have a profound impact. You know, your whole mission is to, is to create the next generation of leaders, right? I mean, that's- Well, to,
0: people that lead and, themselves first, that have the courage, yeah. the courage to find the life that's right for them, courage and space, and then are able to show up to lead communities, families, society, whatever it is. But we have to start with self first. So I am officially recruiting you, Tom, to help us on that mission. <laughs> Because clearly, okay. clearly that's what you're about. So um, I'm going to ask you one question to finish this conversation, then I'm going to ask you to read the letter. But my question to finish this conversation is um, you've got thousands of young people listening to this and, and actually lots of teachers as well and people in, in corporate organizations. If But if you were to change one thing for young people right now, what would it be?
1: I'm always cautious about having a one size fix or fits all kind of idea, but but it would be to make sure that they've got better role models to be honest i think young people are at school to get taught you know academic stuff but also the role models as teachers that we are to them is incredibly powerful and it's the gas mask principle for me if we're not looking after ourselves and being driven by our own passions and in our own element these young people really pick up on that and so what i would change is the environment in which they're in I, i want them surrounded by I would like them to be surrounded by more people that were authentic and would be driven by their own, well, in acting in their own elements. And I think that would encourage them to ask the questions of themselves, the right questions of themselves, um, because I really do think the power of role models is incredible. Um, you know, there are practical things that you can do in school, which would be to redefine how we do careers and to get this idea of thinking about why rather than what. But but I think if that's been led by people who have no idea about what we're talking about, then you might as well not do it. Um, so no small no small change. Then, no, right? no,
0: little change, little change. But you know what? Um, change only happens when we uh, when we take the first step, doesn't it? So we're on that mission. So Tom, I ask everybody, as you know, to write a letter to their 17-year-old self. So I'd love you to share yours with us if you would.
1: Well, you'll get the impression from this that I like to talk to myself, right? And, and I don't write things succinctly. So I've really just tried to drill this down to... In the spirit of teaching of giving feedback in really clear short steps really just three bits of advice um which i've said to myself that i've just written them down clearly as bullet points which would be to fail fast and fail forward um to be brave experiment and not be afraid to to lose and then one phrase that claire mentioned on the course which i just changed the way that that i think about myself that it's it's not your, not any of your business, what anyone else thinks of you. And I, the spirit of those three things is I wouldn't want to tell myself to do anything differently, but I would want three bits of challenge to myself every day to remember that might make me make, make different decisions as I'm growing through, going through life.
0: Tom, I um, happen to know that you are going to be a leader in education. <laughs> I am in no <laughs> doubt about that. And that um, I think you're going to impact a lot of people's lives. So... Thank you. And thank
1: you so much for the support that you've given me over the last 18 months or so.
0: No, you're gonna you're gonna go out and rock it. I know you are. So um, <laughs> I'm really, really excited for you. You've been listening to Extraordinary Unplugged, brought to you by Pixel, our wonderful sponsors, and Ivy House, a team on a mission to bring life-changing learning to students, teachers, and corporate organizations. If you know anyone that would benefit from this podcast, please share it and to hear more, please subscribe. To find out more about Ivy House, you can visit us at ivyhouse.co.uk.